scripture reading this morning comes from the book of the prophet Jonah. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 to 6. We'll start today an exposition in the book of Jonah, the minor prophet Jonah. We'll read from chapter 1, verses 1 to 6. This says the word of God. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa, and he found a sheep going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the sheep was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the sheep into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone, gone down into the sides of the sheep, and he laid and was fast asleep. So the sheep master came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. This far the reading of God's word. Let's come before the Lord now. The book of Jonah, well-known book of Jonah, the story of Jonah, as it is written in chapter 1, verses 1 to 6. The book of Jonah is filled with surprises, perhaps one of the most iconic and ironic books in the Old Testament. It's filled with unexpected scenes and unexpected events such as why would a prophet a prophet called by the Lord flee from the Lord disobey God or why would the Ninevites receive a foreign prophet with a message of destruction or how could Nineveh the capital of the Assyrian Empire the very worst of the worst repent Maybe the most well-known question, how could someone survive for three days and three nights in the belly of a fish? These questions are some of the questions that surround the book of Jonah and makes this book so remarkable and at the same time so ironic. Today we are beginning a journey throughout the book of Jonah. And this morning we'll meditate on God's call for the church to rise to, and wake up, to wake up and arise. And to do so, we will examine this text under three headings. First, God's commission. God's commission to Jonah and to his church, verses 1 and 2. Second, man's omission. Man's omission, verses 3 and 4. And thirdly, the world's rebuke, verses Five and six. So first, let's consider God's 
commission, God's commission, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying... So first of all, we have the same words that open many other prophetic books. The word of the Lord came to so-and-so. The word of the Lord came unto Jonah. To receive a word of the Lord was a mark of a, tr a true prophetic office, a true prophetic officer. This marks that this man is called by the Lord. The word of the Lord came unto Jonah. Jonah was not just any guy who was sitting there doing nothing. He, he, doing nothing. he was a prophet. Jonah is also mentioned in 2 Kings 14, verse 25, where he is explicitly called a prophet, a prophet from the Lord, and he is there doing prophetic office. And the call for the Lord to him is very straightforward. It's very simple. Arise, go to Nineveh. Arise, Jonah, go to Nineveh. There are, these are... Two imperatives, and together they convey a sense of urgency. Arise, go to Nineveh immediately. No time to waste. Arise and go. The Lord doesn't tell Jonah, Arise, make preparation, make a good plan, think about it, and then go to Jonah. No. These two imperatives come side by side telling Jonah, Arise and go quickly. To Nineveh. Nineveh was hundreds of miles away. It was a far country from where Jonah was. But yet the Lord calls him to go to that very well-known city. Nineveh is here called a great city. A great city. And that is because of its status as a royal city. Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. So Nineveh was a royal city, the capital city of that nation. Very well known. A big city in terms of size and a very wealth and important city. Arise and go to, sit to Nineveh, that great city. And Nineveh was also great in terms of its wickedness. For their wickedness is come up before me. The wickedness of Nineveh was also well known across the globe. Nineveh was a wicked nation, the capital of a wicked country in Assyria. They were the worst of the worst. Hard to imagine a harder call than Jonas. Arise and go hundreds of miles to the capital city of your enemies. The Assyrian Empire was the enemy of Israel. And God is calling him, Arise, Jonah, and go to the capital city of your enemies. I have a plan for them. This already challenges the common view that in the Old Testament, there was no space for missions. God only cared about Israel and nothing else in the Old Testament. That's a common view. But it's already challenged here in the very first two verses. In fact, the book of Jonah illustrates Psalm 96, verse 3. Declare his glory among the heathen. 
His wonders among all people. So already in the Old Testament, we have here the seed promise that the gospel would be spread out to all nations, all peoples, even the heathen, to declare God's glory. Regardless of the distance, regardless of the hostility, God's commission to the prophet is very clear. Arise and go. Arise and go. And this is the same commission that the Lord has given to us, His church today. Arise and go. It's the same commission that Lord Jesus gives to His church. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. The same urgency that was present when the Lord talked to Jonah was present when Jesus spoke to His church. Rise, go, teach all nations. Preach the gospel to every creature. Immediately, do so quickly. Arise and go. This is not a suggestion. It is a command. The Lord is not giving here a recommendation to Jonah, and He's not giving a recommendation to us. He's not suggesting... Maybe if you have time, preach the gospel. He's commanding, commissioning his church. Arise and go. God doesn't say, take your time. Prepare yourself. Find a time in your agenda. No, he simply says, arise and go. And perhaps nowadays, the Nineveh of our days would be New York, or California, places that are, are well known for its hostility to the gospel. But even so, regardless of the hostility, the Lord simply calls us, Arise and go. Do as I say so. God doesn't say, Their goodness is come up before me. No. The Lord says, Their wickedness is come up before me. It is precisely because they were lost. They were so lost that the Lord turns to His church and say, Arise and go. They're lost. They need this message. This applies to us in two ways nowadays. First, that no, no one is too lost to be redeemed. And we will see this theme over and over in the book of Jonah, the unexpected. The ones who were perhaps far gone. No one is too lost to be redeemed. But more importantly, the theme of our message here is that God commissioned us to go where there is no submission to Him. The Lord calls His church to go to places where there is hostility to the gospel, where the gospel is unknown. And I like John Piper's phrase, missions exist because worship doesn't. That's the call for the church. Mission exists because worship doesn't. Where there is no worship, there is where we should go. 
There is where the Lord commissions us to go. Because the purpose is worship. We are called to worship. This is what we are doing today in the Sabbath day of the week. And mission exists so that all nations, all peoples, can declare the glory of God. Mission exists where worship doesn't. We should not not expect these people to freely come to us. That is why the Lord sent us out. Notice that the word of the Lord didn't come to the Ninevites saying, Arise and go to Jonah, and he will preach to you a message. No. The Lord came unto Jonah and told him, Arise and go to them, because they will not come to you otherwise. Go ye unto all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The commission comes to us to arise and go to them. And will the prophet, will the prophet of God hearken to God's command? Will Jonah respond to God as is expected from a prophet? Well, we could say that Jonah's answer is unpredictable. We read in verse 3 about man's omission. But Jonah, despite what God commanded him, but Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish. Jonah rose up to flee to the very opposite direction. The Lord sent him one way to Nineveh, and Jonah rose up to flee to the other way, unto Tarshish. And he wanted not simply to flee from Nineveh, but he naively thought he could flee from God, from the presence of the Lord. Jonah was not simply fleeing from Nineveh. The text is making crystal clear that he was freeing, fleeing from what the Lord told him to do. Fleeing from the presence of the Lord. Verse 3 repeats that Jonah was fleeing to Tarshish three times. As if he was emphasizing to us an emphatic way of saying how naive he was disobeying God. Jonah, I told you, arise and go to Nineveh. And now you are going to Tarshish? He was fleeing to Tarshish. He was going to Tarshish. He found a boat to Tarshish. What are you doing, Jonah? That's not where I told you to go. And then it also emphasizes that he was going away from the presence of the Lord. Twice in the beginning and the end of the verse, he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. To go into unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Oh, Jonah, did you really think you could flee from God? Did you really think you could run away from the Lord? And perhaps some of, some of you are thinking, how naive, how naive was this prophet To think he could run away from God, from the presence of the Lord. How could a prophet think he could flee from God? 
Perhaps it is because Jonah didn't know question 7 of the Westminster Larger Catechism. That says that God is everywhere, present, almighty, knowing all things. Did you think, Jonah, you could flee from this God that is almighty, knowing all things? There is no place on earth that you could hide from Him. Or perhaps it is because Jonah is just like you and me. When we sin, we have a poor view of God and a high view of ourselves. We think we can hide from God. We think we can go our own way. Hiding from Him. A small view of God and a big view of us. We underestimate God who knows all things, who commands all things, and we overestimate ourselves. We think too little of God, of His law, what He told us to do, and too high of us, that we are smarter, that we know better, that we can do better than what He commanded us to do. Jonah is much closer to you and me than we, what we often like to think. And providence appears to be on Jonah's side when he found a ship going to Tarshish. Providence, providence seems to be working out for Jonah. He was trying to flee to Tarshish, and lo and behold, a ship going to Tarshish that was willing to even take an extra passenger in the last minute. And this is a good example to teach us that the Lord doesn't want us to enter every open door that appears in our way. Sometimes providence tests us. The Lord puts us through the test. Just because you think you found a possibility in your life doesn't mean you should not you shouldn't wait this possibility to think, is this really what the Lord wants for me? Is this really what the Lord is commanding me to do? Is this really the best way that I can use my talents to the glory of God? Sheep going from Joppa to Tarshish was a very long trip. A long trip not just because Tarshish was hundreds of miles away, but also because the ship would be going, stopping in many ports on the way. So it would stop many times, many layovers during the trip. So this trip could take up to a year, a whole year. It would be a very long trip. That means that Jonah paid a large amount of money for his fare. But cost what it may, Jonah was determined to flee from the Lord. Jonah had in his mind that he would flee from the presence of God. Cost what it may. Cost what it takes. He would try to flee from God. And as we come to verse 4, we read that Jonah's enterprise is interrupted. But the Lord, just as God's commission was Interrupted by, but Jonah. Now Jonah's attempt to flee is interrupted by, but the Lord. 
sent out a great wind into this sea. The Lord had different plans. The Lord talked to Jonah first, but as Jonah tried to ignore God's voice, the Lord sends out a great wind. He who is the master of winds and waves has no problem in bringing in a great storm upon the sea. Jonah, my word came unto you first, and you didn't hear. So now hear my voice through this storm. I'm calling you, Jonah. You cannot hide. And that was not a regular storm. It was a violent storm. that was about to break apart that ship. A storm that, that was causing seasoned sailors to be afraid to death. They were scared to death. They recognized their frailty before the extreme danger that was upon them. And perhaps you that are listening are thinking, thinking that you could hide as well. That is this place that you can hide from God. That you can flee from the presence of the Lord. You're hiding from your parents. Hiding from your spouse, hiding from your boss, your pastor, from your colleagues, your friends. But don't be mistaken, you cannot hide from God. There is no hiding from the God who made heaven and earth. There is nowhere you could hide from the eyes of the Lord. No place. On earth. Now remember that I said that this book is ironic and filled with unexpected things. We saw that God commissioned Jonah, how he tried to flee. And now, what is the world's reaction? What is the world's reaction to all of that? We saw what the Lord told. What Jonah responded. And now, what is the world's reaction? The world's rebuke. Verse 5, Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth their wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. The experienced sailors recognized that that was not an ordinary storm. These sailors had been through many. Perhaps some of them had, had been through dozens or hundreds of storms in their lives. But they recognized that this was not an ordinary storm. This storm was supernatural. And they were filled with fear. They were crying out to their gods. They were not simply asking God, or they were crying aloud to the, their gods. They were desperate, crying for help. And a sailor would not throw away their cargo unless they really thought they were going to die on that day. They were desperate. 
We, saw, we also see here that these sailors acted in the right order. How ironic. The sailors prayed first to their God, and then they act. Then they cast their cargo. Though they read so to the wrong gods, they were doing things in the right order. First, in submission to God, praying to God, and then doing something. You see, the opposite of what Jonah did. He fled first, and he's going to pray after. But we see wicked pagan sailors doing things in the right way. And as these were pagan sailors, probably coming from many different cities, they were here praying to a, a plethora of gods. They were bowing down to all kinds of gods. Because they recognized that there was something extraordinary happening. So each one of them were praying, maybe this God will help us. Maybe this God, maybe this God. But someone upset a God. Something wrong is happening. We need to pray to the gods. And while they were crying out to their pagan gods, Jonah was fast asleep. He was deep asleep in the bottom of the ship oblivious to all that was happening around him, to the voice of the Lord crying out, Jonah was sleeping. And it took an unbeliever to urge him to pray. How ironic that it took an unbelieving sailor man to urge a prophet of God to pray to him. The sailors did not need any encouragement to pray. Even though they were praying to the wrong gods that had neither life nor power, they did not need any encouragement to pray. But the prophet of God did. What a shame for us this is. What a shame for us when the world has to rebuke the church. What a shame for us when we are less diligent than the pagan are to empty things. I don't know what you think when you see someone praying to a false god, or if you had the chance of seeing that in your life, someone worshiping idols, or doing some kind of offering to pagan gods, I don't know what thoughts come to your mind, but sometimes when I see that, I think, this person is out of his mind. He's worshiping a powerless God, an emotionless God, an empty object that can do nothing for him. This person is insane, out of his mind. But sometimes I think, Shame on me. Shame on me because sometimes I pray less earnestly to the one true God who created heaven and earth than this person is doing to a stone, to a carved object. What a shame when the church of God is less earnestly to pray 
to the Lord who made all things, then the world is to cast lot, lots, to trust in fortune tellers, then we are to trust in God. What a shame. What a shame that the world consults more the, the zodiac and the stars than we consult the word of God. What a shame for when they base their decisions in fortune tellers, in cards, in the stars, whatever, than when we do in what what God has told us to do in His law and His commandments. What a shame that they bend the knees to empty gods that can do nothing, that, then, that though they have ears, they cannot hear, though they have eyes that cannot see. Then what we do to the God that is everywhere present, almighty, Knowing all things. What a shame. Church of God. If we are sleeping. While the world is crying out aloud. Saying that the world is on fire. They recognize that there is something wrong happening. They are desperate. And what is the church doing? What is the church doing? What are we doing with the commission that God has told us? Are we sleeping? Are we fulfilling the commandments that God has told us to do? All that those sailors were was doing was useless. All that they were doing was useless, but at least they were doing something. While Jonah, the very cause of the storm, was doing nothing. He was sleeping physically, but most of all, he was sleeping spiritually. He was oblivious to God's call. God came to him and told Jonah, arise and go. Then the Lord sent the storm to tell him, Jonah, I told you, arise and go. And now he sent a wicked man to tell him, Jonah, please arise and go. What a shame. God sent a storm, but even so, Jonah could not hear God's voice calling him to repent. And as we come to verse 6, the Lord uses something else to come to Jonah, the shipmaster. Verse 6. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? How can you be sleepy? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that thou, God, will think upon us, that we perish not. What meanest thou, O sleeper? Interestingly, 
Jonah heard from this pagan shipmaster the same words that he heard from the Lord. Arise and call. The word for cry against it in verse 2 is the same word for call upon thy God. See, the shipmaster is telling Jonah the same thing that the Lord told him to do. Arise and call. Arise and cry out. As if the words of the Lord were echoing out through this pagan shipmaster to Jonah. The Lord was using this shipmaster to tell Jonah the same thing that he told him to do. Jonah, I told you, arise and call. Why are you sleeping, my servant? I told you, arise and call. And to increase the irony, this pagan shipmaster told Jonah to pray. A pagan man, a heathen, telling the prophet of God to pray, having to ask a prophet to pray. Please, Jonah, pray. And the content of that prayer was very Christian. Not to dictate to God what you do, but pleading before the Lord, recognizing God's sovereignty. Oh, Jonah, pray to him. And maybe he will think upon us that we perish not because we know that God is all-powerful. Jonah, our gods could do nothing. So please pray to your God that we perish not. What an irony. We have here a rebellious prophet going against the Lord's will and a soft-hearted sailor man who is pleading before the servant of God to pray for him. This is a very unexpected encounter. Worse than God using a donkey to rebuke us, perhaps to be rebuked from the mouth of a heathen. Worse than the Lord, raising up these stones to call us to wake up, is for the Lord to have to use a heathen, a pagan man, to wake us up. At this point, we could ask, who is evangelizing who in this story? Who is evangelizing who in this sheep? Hugh Marden, a famous Scottish preacher, has a sermon on verse 6 called The World Rebuking the Church. Not simply the world rebuking Jonah, but the world rebuking the church. In this sermon, he mentions how it is a sin to sorrow over, to lament, to see a prophet of the Lord rebu rebuked by a heathen and the church reproved by the world. He mentions how Jonah deserved to be rebuked both by what he did and by what he did not do. Then Hugh Martin explains how we are called children of light. 
called to shine in the darkness. And it is with this imagery that he charges us. He charges us with God's commission. And I want you to read what he says. It's a lengthy quotation, but it's worth reading. He says this. Why hath the Lord thy God shown upon thee, and his glory risen upon thee? Why hath he given thee the light of salvation, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ? Is it not that thou mayest reflect that light? If thou art are not reflecting it, must thou not conclude that thou art receiving it in less measure than thou knowest? What meanest thou, O believer, shining little, showing others little of light, little of Christ, doing little to tell of thy Savior, to shine upon thy brother as thy Savior. Thine elder brother has shone upon thee. Arise, what meanest thou? To this end, wouldest thou but rise and reflect the light, he would shine on thee more sweetly, more brightly, than here though he has ever done. Come, and in the faith, in the faith of that Jesus shines upon thee, and will shine upon thee more and more until the perfect day, arise thou and shine on others. Arise, shine, for thy light hath come, and the glory of the Lord hath arisen upon thee. Isaiah 6, verse 1. Has the light of Jesus Christ shined upon you? Have we experienced this light overflowing our lives? So why are we not bringing this light to others? When the world rebukes the church, it's perhaps one of the saddest things that could happen to a church. To have to be rebuked by the world. Arise, Church of Christ, and shine the light that Christ has shown upon you. Rise and shine the light that was entrusted to you. This is a call that we will hear over and over in the book of Jonah. In the book of Jonah, we will see how God fulfilled his missionary purpose, even if no one else wants to do it. This is not an excuse from our duties. Since God ordinarily uses human means to bring His word. But even when we fail, His mission will always be accomplished. This is comfort to us. To know that His mission will always be accomplished. His kingdom will come. His glory will be manifested. All the world will bend the knee before him. To put it in the vernacular, 
God fulfills his mission regardless of our stupidity or laziness. But shame on us. Shame on us if, if we don't fulfill our call. It is a sin to put the light under the basket. It is a sin not to obey God's call. God's command to us as his church to preach the gospel to every creature. Now that he has commissioned all of us to fulfill this call, we cannot put this light under the basket. We must shine what he has shown upon us. Do not wait, brothers and sisters, for a storm to come upon your life. Do not wait for worse than a storm to be rebuked by the world. And what worst rebuke could ever be than simply to hear someone telling us, I have never listened to the gospel. You were here so close. So close. I saw you every day at work. Every day at school. I have never listened to the gospel. What a rebuke. Do not wait for a storm to come. Do not wait For God's call to come upon you with a mighty hand to tell you again, I told you, servant, arise and go. He's sending a storm. Do not wait for the fish to come. Arise and go to fulfill God's mission. How long until you hear God's voice? Or where are you in Jonah's story? Perhaps some of you that are here today are listening God's commission for the first time today. You are hearing God calling you. Rise and go. I'm calling you to go. I have a plan for that wicked nation, for that wicked friend, for that lost friend. Arise and go. Or perhaps some of you are on your way to Tarshish, trying to flee. Or worse, perhaps some of you are still sleeping, sleeping in the bottom of that ship, oblivious to God's call, calling you once, twice, three times. Arise, go. Are you sleepy? Are you here today sleeping to God's call when the world rebukes the church? It's the saddest thing that could happen to a church to have to be rebuked by the world. And I hope we will. Uh, Arise and go before the Lord has to send 
a great storm or a great fish into our lives. And I hope that if we, we don't go, I hope that if we fail to go, I hope he sends that fish to stop us. Because that would be better than to disobey him. So I hope we can hear his voice today and obey his call to arise and go. As Paul says in Philippians 3, verses 13 and 14, Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into, into, unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Arise and go, O church of Christ. Arise and take the call of God to the ends of the world. Forgetting those things which are behind. Forgetting those things which were attached to, to the comfort that we were attached to in our lives. Even if it takes hundreds of miles, even if we're called to a hostile place, arise and go. And reaching forth unto those things which are ahead. Press on. Press on towards Jesus Christ. Reach forth towards Him. We don't go alone. In this call, in this mission, in this commission that God calls us to fulfill, we don't go alone. Press on. Press on towards Jesus. And we don't pray for the results. We don't pray for the results that the Lord would do, and we do hope that He does. We pray that God would give us the heart to fulfill this call, the boldness to proclaim, the faithfulness to go, the right disposition, disposition of heart to preach the gospel. And that the Holy Spirit would break the stony hearts that are before us and would call the sinner man to come. And maybe just like in Jonah's story, the unexpected will happen. And sinners will be converted by God's call. So, O oh, Church of God, the Lord is commissioning all of us today Rise and go and take his call to the end of the world. Amen. Let's pray to our Lord. O oh Lord our God, Almighty, all powerful, knowing all things, thou art the supreme God, the God of gods, the Lord of lords. O oh Lord, Thou hast commissioned us, Thou hast entrusted us a treasure in jars of clay. How precious, Lord, is the gospel that we have received. 
Oh, Lord, we do not take for granted the message that thou hast given us. So, oh, Lord, wake us up, Lord. To rise and go and take thy call to the ends of the world. Wake us up, Lord. Every single one of us, Lord. Oh, Lord. There are so many that are still, Lord, lost in darkness around us. If it is thy will, Lord, use us to reach out to them. If it is thy will, Lord, May the Holy Spirit go before us. Break their hearts. Open their eyes. Take the veil away, Lord, so that they can see. Open their ears to receive thy message, Lord. And, O Lord, if it is thy will, may this church and this nation experience once again what thou hast done in the past so many times. And revive thy church. Give us, Lord, boldness to proclaim to the ends of the world. And how we long, Lord, for the day that all the world will bend the knee. That every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Prepare us, Lord, for that day. And make us faithful and good servants to the end. To the end of times. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.